podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 What's going on, beautiful people? This is the Dishonomics Podcast. I hope you've had a good week so far. Enjoying the weather. Starting to, do you know what I mean? It's starting to pick up a bit. So, summer's here. So I hope you're enjoying your summer. I've seen people go on holiday. Please, enjoy this weather while we have it. This episode is going to be a great, great episode. Very important for every single person listening to this episode not just people listen to this for your friends and family your loved ones etc etc however as usual for the first time listeners who don't know we always got to give a big up to the previous episode and this one is super interesting episode 269 why the chinese have deliberately stopped paying their mortgages yes thousands of people in china are not paying their mortgages you might be thinking this is not this why how can i get away with this did you know that the majority of homes that are bought in China have not even been built yet. People are taking out mortgages on homes that don't exist, right? Because the demand is so high and the culture of homeownership is even higher than it is here, right? So people have been getting mortgages for properties off plan. So developers can sell out a whole complex of apartments, for example, before even digging one hole in the ground. And yeah, but a lot of these, (laughs) a lot of complexes have not been built. And yep, the whole housing market in China is coming, crashing down. And this could be 10, 100 times worse than the financial crisis 2008. So make sure you check out episode 269. I get into the nitty gritty of that. And trust me, you want to know. This is super duper interesting. And of course, I spoke on how this can impact us in the Western world. Now, this week's episode, episode 270, I'm joined by Felicia, owner, not owner, founder of TBN, that's the Black Economist Network, and also economist at Think Think Tank Resolution Foundation. Uh, She's been on on my pod numerous times, amazing guests. And we're going to talk about pensions, right? Why this pen... I know pension seems far away for many people, but it's a serious thing. Most people in the UK are underspending in regards to contributing towards their pension. So we're going to talk about the difference in pensions between defined benefit, defined contribution, um, difference in ages of people contributing to their pension, difference in salary, job profession, and why this is a big issue in the UK, yeah? So yeah, enjoy people. This is a great episode. Hi, I it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. Because it's lit. Hello, it's beautiful lit. people. I hope you enjoyed your somewhat sunny weekend, depending on where you're based. I'm joined by, I can't even call you a special guest. You're, well, you're special, but you're like almost part of the furniture now. Can you introduce yourself, oh. please, young lady? Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Felicia, Felicia O'Danton. Um, I'm an economist. My day job, I work for the Think Tank, the Resolution Foundation at the moment. And I am the founder of the Black Economist Network, which is a network um, which seeks to like connect, support, inspire black economists and also um, challenge lack of diversity, spread the knowledge, you know? Okay, two things. Once... I always like you to introduce yourself because I always forget the correct way to say a name, which makes no sense because I've known you for years. 
Because <laughs> I'm like, I get into my head, I'm like, is it Felicia or Felicia? Or d- <laughs> Oh God, no, it's Felicia. It's Felicia. Felicia. But well, then I'm then I, then I overthink it. I'm like, I'm sure it's Felicia. But wait, when, when what have I got it wrong? And secondly, why are you speaking like like you've had bare media training? You've been on this pod bare times. Be yourself. <laughs> be your, you know what? It's be because... yourself, bro. I am. This is this is me. No, it's <laughs> not. No, it's not. Um, listen, don't lie, fam. Don't let me. <laughs> anyway, bro, don't get All out right, of here. Fine. Be Fine. yourself. You're allowed to be here. Be yourself here. You'd have to code switch, yeah? This is dysnomics, yeah? Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. Okay, anyway. More importantly. So, tell us about TBL, actually, before we start a bit more. But how, um, why you started it and where and how things are going currently. Yeah, sure. So, um, I basically started it because I didn't like being the only black person in the room. Like, <laughs> that's ultimately why I started. I didn't like it. So I was like, now, nah, where are all the black people in economics? And so I wanted to, see, like, connect everyone, see what was happening. And I realized there's a much wider issue that black people in economics are just very sparse and far bet- um, few and far between in the UK, Andrew. especially. Um, so we started it in 2019, launched it. We got big um, backing from the Government Economic Service. And then lockdown happened. So all of our events and programs went online. But that meant we had a greater global reach. And then it turns out um, the need for TBAN is is beyond the UK. People in Africa, people in the Caribbean, people in Canada, different places all wanted a space where they can meet other black um, economists or black people in economics and related fields and discuss things, etc. So... Um, that's basically how it started now it's like global i guess um we seek to basically connect people in economics um as well as challenge the lack of diversity in the field so we work with different organizations so we're currently working with the bank of england at the moment um they're one of our key partners to run um training and workshop programs on like econometrics soft skills anything that mm-hmm. people on the membership want and then um yeah we'll also host events this is to our wider audience because you know it's no point keeping the economic knowledge within this small community it needs mm. there's a need for it so yeah we host events we'll have some stuff coming up for black history month so stay tuned um yeah so you know so far so good we've got like over 700 signed up official members the, we've got book clubs, we've got mentorship schemes going. Yeah, we're just trying to secure f- serious funding now. Serious <laughs> funding. Yeah. So. Doing amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Um, w- w- random Cheers. question, yeah. Mm. Do you, don't you find it weird that some people say economics and some people say economics? It depends on the what they're talking about because I see like economic as like is it like a verb or like an adjective one of those things and then economics is like the noun the name of the subject yeah but surely you'll pronounce it in the same way you would say economy economics or economic economy do you know what I'm saying like it's it's a very fact this is actually completely irrelevant but anyway we're going to move on from this here because (laughs) even me I'm I'm confusing myself okay boom so you've done you've been doing great stuff recently uh, with the resolution resolution foundation and most 
current, most currently, I can't even speak English. Most recently, most recently, recently, you and a colleague of yours dropped a document, a PDF, a report, if you like, <laughs> <laughs> on living pensions, right? And I think this yeah. is super important because this is something that I know my listener base is between the ages of like 18 to late 30s. I've got seen some people in their 40s listen to my pod, gang, gang. But a lot of our, this demographic, pension is kind of seen as something that's kind of further down the line. Mm. And let me not even lie, like, and I do have auto-enrollment. Some jobs I've asked them to increase it. In my most recent job, I told them to take it away. Let me not cap. <laughs> because I saw how tax was taxing me. I was like, I'll just do it myself. And have I done it myself? Um, no. And I and even me, I even me, I even know better. So what um what inspired you uh Resolution Foundation to take a deep dive into the living pension? Yeah, so ultimately this work was commissioned by the Living Wage Foundation. So um us, us as Resolution Foundation's think tank, we focus on living standards more generally. So this is right up our street anyways. And we're like the brains and the analysts behind like the ca- calculations and stuff, especially for the Living Wage Foundation. Okay. So just some brief, brief background. The Living Wage Foundation basically um, set like what is the actual living wage. So it's different from the national minimum wage or the national living wage, which they, the government conveniently spell the same name. Yeah. But let's not talk about that one. I, I, wonder, I it, thought about that, you know, because when I saw, yeah. when I see national living wage talk about, I was like, okay, cool. Then one day I was like, wait, hold on. I thought it was called national minimum wage. So I was like, oh, okay, that's some good marketing by the government. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They changed the name, they change it, change it. Um, yeah, so the the real living wage um, is set by these guys who take into account inflation, um, future things, current things and housing and all of that kind of stuff. And they're like, this is what people actually need to have a decent standard of living. Um, and then different employers... Um, can get accredited to say, yeah, I'm a real living wage employer. Mm. So they, so now that they've established that and it's been quite successful, they're obviously thinking like, right, okay, low paid employees in particular are not gonna like, they're okay now, but what about the future when they retire? Like we've got to think about this. Um, so previously we did a report, this was before my time. Well, just a year before my time it was last year um, called building a living pension and so that was basically background into how can we um create a standard that's similar to living wage so a living pension where there's a set amount people put aside every month mm-hmm. um year etc etc to accumulate this pension pot so that when they retire they're comfortable um so we did that feasibility study and obviously it's not as easy as a living wage because people retire at different times people have been in their career at different times so the, the there was multiple benchmarks so um this is to reflect the fact that you know younger workers have longer to save and older workers have less time to save of course so the the first benchmark was the all age benchmark so that's the average across all workers like of all ages um and in percentage terms that was 16 percent um of your like um total total earnings um and in cash terms that was three thousand pounds wait so could you break this down so you're saying that we need to so that's what people need to contribute to their pension a year yeah that's that's yeah annually that's average that's on average across Mm -hmm. everyone Mm -hmm. um or a cash amount of three thousand pounds a year, 
Um, the other one is called the whole career benchmark, which basically applies to people who are younger. So if you are, if you start working in your twenties and you start saving in your twenties, then you have your whole career to save, right? So yeah. your benchmark is lower. So um, it's eleven point two percent, and in cash terms, that's two thousand pounds one hundred. Yeah, two thousand one hundred pounds. Okay, hold on. As you're saying this, so you say it's £2,100. So that's people, so that's 175 quid a month um, for those in their 20s. And the average one is like around 250 quid a month. I know some people are going to be thinking, Ross, like, where am I going to get that money from? But boy, listen, you don't want to be caught, you don't want to be getting caught slipping when you're 65. But anyway, continue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that's, so those are, those, there was more benchmarks, but these are the benchmarks we focus on here um, in this report. So this report basically was the next step in developing this standard to see like, okay, how realistic are these benchmarks? Like who's actually saving towards them? Mm-hmm. So the context um, behind all of this is basically in 2012, the government introduced the auto-enrollment scheme. That's because people weren't saving like people are not saving like and it was going downhill and they were like nah you know what we need to get a hold of this so um also enrollment came in and you know lots of people started saving and it was a, basically a success um basically in i think 2012 it was 59 percent of people saving and then just in 2021 it's now 88 percent Okay, so that's a that's a big success for the Conservative government. So that would have been under David Cameron, right? Twenty twelve, yeah, David Cameron. Oh, that's that's okay. They've done yeah, one thing. At least that's one thing. Something right. Do <laughs> you like that? I'll just say okay. It's just okay. The scoreboard's now gone from ten thousand to like three. So what done? Okay, only another. Yeah, yeah gone. Yeah, and um, but this was mainly driven by people in the private sector. Of course. So there's an important thing to. Um, no, there's there's different types of pensions, but the main ones are defined benefit schemes and defined contribution schemes. Mm-hmm. So defined benefit schemes is basically a pension where um, it's based on your career average salary and years of service, and it's mainly like available in the public sector. Yeah. Um, but the diff- the key difference with them, or the key standout feature, is that it guarantees an income through retirement. Defined and yeah, so defined contribution schemes is mainly what most people in the private sector have um and it depends on the contributions you make in your working life and the financial returns on the investments of those contributions that you know the pension providers do what they do do. what's interesting about this difference right even as somebody who like loves economics um personal finance to a less extent but i'm just interested in all this type of stuff i never knew that there was more I never knew. I never knew about defined benefit until I got a contract in the public sector. I believe. To, okay, when did I first go gone? Twenty nineteen. Okay, so twenty eighteen. So I was at, I was at this place for a year, right? And then um, so I was contracting, and then my the head of finance was like, "Yo, I want you to be on permanently." And I was like, oh, "Okay, sick." And then he told me the wage. I was like, uh, "Nah." <laughs> I, was, I was like, "I'm losing like fifteen, twenty bags." basically by going from contract to private but he's like trust me it's because of the pension so he's telling me about that's when he started telling me about the defined benefit and he was previously working in the private sector at big accounting houses and big business and whatnot but he took a pay he took a pay cut to come here but that's because he wanted to secure that pension right and i was like yeah it makes sense for you because you've got your kids you're in your like your 50 so it's a good business yeah but for me to get where you've got where you've got the house and stuff i need cash monies so 
thanks, yeah, exactly. but, but no thanks. But that's when I saw the difference in the scheme. So I was thinking, wow, this defined benefit is actually a fantastic uh, incentive um, pension-wise in comparison to obviously defined contribution. Yeah. It's it, like they're so different, and so this is why analysis focuses on defined contribution because, mm. like, saving rates for those on defined benefit are already high, mm. plus they're guaranteed an income in retirement. So yeah, you know, they're not at risk the same way um, people on defined contribution schemes are. I'll just say DC schemes because it's just so much easier to say that. Yeah, best of um, Yeah, in it. Um, yeah, so that. Our analysis focuses on D- DC schemes. So um, I guess I'll go on to like some of the key findings. Yes, of course. So what do, you, what guess, do y'all find out? Yeah, what do we find out? So we're thinking like, okay, so who's actually meeting these benchmarks? And it turns out the vast majority of people aren't. So with the um, the lowest benchmark, which I think is the 11.2%, um, there's only about 70, in 2020, there was only about 17% of workers meeting that benchmark. So, when you say 11, meaning, so, so for the listeners, when you say 11.2% benchmark, what does that mean? Expand so everybody's oh, uh, super, uh, super aware. Yeah, so remember when I was talking about the different benchmarks we calculated for mm. savings? Yeah. So like um, the 11.2 um, refers to the whole career the benchmark, people, which yeah, is the, if you start saving in your 20s, you save 11.2% of yeah. your total earnings. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2020, when we assessed that across the whole population of those on the DC schemes, we found that only 17% of workers actually were meeting that benchmark. High. One in a five, less than one in five. Yeah. It's very scary. Very, very scary. And then like when we, when we changed it to the all age, so like the average benchmark, it was only 9%. Even worse. It was like, Wow. Scary things are happening. Crazy it is. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and then it's even it's even worse for low paid workers. So low paid workers refers to those who are like um earning within the first, like the bottom fifth of the hourly pay distribution. Mm-hmm. So they're like less than five percent meet any of those benchmarks. Wow. So it's quite scary. Very quite quite scary. Um yeah, so there will be people like on minimum wage. So, like, so we're like, okay, so why aren't people meeting these benchmarks? And it's a combination of two things, essentially, because one, there's a large proportion of people who still aren't saving. And two, of the people who are saving, they're not saving enough. So ultimately, like, there has been massive improvements due to auto-enrollment over time. Like, groups who previously weren't saving at all have saved loads and the gaps have narrowed so um the gap between higher paid and low paid workers has narrowed in terms of pension saving um younger and older workers that's narrowed um yeah so that's 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 good but it's still not enough because there's still a third of people who aren't saving this is a third of people on DC pensions. So this is different from the overall saving rates on DC pensions. There's still a third of people who aren't saving towards a pension, um, which is, which is like, okay, <laughs> scary, but <laughs> all right, fine. And then when we, um, look at people's savings, um, over the distribution. So like the proportion of people saving at different saving rates, we find that, um, the most common saving rate 
is is around like the auto enrollment minimums. So the thing with auto enrollment is when it was first introduced in like 2012, it was like two percent. <laughs> it was two percent. Then they moved it to like six percent or something. And then at the moment it's now eight percent. And over time, the most common saving rates has been in line with that. Um, however, eight percent is still below the uh, threshold that yeah. we've calculated, mm-hmm. and that's like the key issue. So ultimately we do have a big problem in our hands that as you know time goes on the way people's lives change all of that kind of stuff we'll we'll be in a situation where we're going to have a growing aging population with not enough pension savings of course and that's Especially, absolute disaster yeah. <laughs> where you really deep it that's a yeah. disaster but geez. it is quite quite worrying so that's that's ultimately what we found and now it's up to the living wage foundation to see like where they take that next um lots of different pension groups seem very keen on having like pushing forward these kind of benchmarks um and getting employers to jump on board and also like bring a bit of flexibility into the pension scheme because at the moment in a cost of living crisis people are thinking about the now they're not going to be thinking about the future they've got to make decisions now so introducing something where people like take a break for like maybe one or two months and then come back in like have that flexibility to something like that um to make sure that they're still saving at least something it's not like all in or all out kind of thing Hmm. um yeah just thinking of creative ways and solutions to help boost this pension saving um it's scary because i think about it personally i'm like oh man i've got a long time to <laughs> retire, like putting that money away go god it's a bit scary in it but it's it's also important and you know people are going to the housing market to find a way to secure an income in retirement but this housing market ah, oh god it's already <laughs> i don't even know what to say like it's not the most efficient, like ideal way for the whole economy and society as a whole for that to be the only way people yeah of course income in retirement yeah of course hundred percent I agree with you um obviously it's if you can get on a housing market it's a fantastic way to give yourself additional income in retirement but the reality is especially when you look at the when you looked at uh, the initial group the eleven percent so those are people in their twenties who start saving now it's not going to be as easy for people in their twenties to get on. The housing, housing yeah, like exactly. Uh, do you know what I mean? Simply due to the cost of living, as well as our wages ain't the highest, as well as the prices of houses are just crazy. Along with the our uh, insane rental income, and it's it's super interesting uh, the the uh, the, the what, um, why this is a, a big issue, right? It's because if people are not saving now, right, mm. they're going to cost everybody money not like because you you can't because people are not going to stand for the most part like people just leaving old people to to die obviously i don't think i don't even feel people pensioners right now get enough support right and mm-hmm. i think um, the way society is going people are starting to have are starting to become a bit more socially conscious and really seeing the impacts of an age in society on the nhs now the nhs yeah. is getting even more and more drained because it's so hard to sustain that many people um mm-hmm who are living longer, thankfully, because technology's got better, um, healthcare's got better. Now imagine yeah. doing that for a aging population for pensions as well as healthcare. So we really, really need to get our act together. And I actually, 
in fact, I'm going to ask you another question here. So what are some of the suggestions um, that uh, you guys have uh, come across or, or have you gotten that far yet in terms of action points? Because this work was commissioned, it's um, mainly in the hands of the Living Wage yeah, Foundation that makes sense. Um, in terms of how they move forward with this. But when I was presenting, someone said something really interesting in terms of like the fact that, okay, everyone can save, um, you know, this amount, but some people might live longer and some people might unfortunately not live that long. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to like pull some of these savings in a way that kind of supports, like takes into account the fact that people have different life expectancies and mm -hmm. different like retirement times and stuff like that. And I thought that was quite interesting because Very. Um, it's true. Like, I guess like, like a DB pension um, kind of guarantees the income in retirement. DC pension is if you saved enough, does it? Or if you haven't, you haven't, <laughs> but then there might be someone who's like hella rich. Yeah. They've saved bare, but unfortunately they don't have much time in retirement. And then that could have helped, like that could have been pulled or averaged out to support someone but i don't know like i i thought it was an interesting comment that they made mm, yeah, um, it is interesting um yeah. boy i don't know like okay so in terms of like the study so obviously i've, I've read through the study a couple times um talk to me about some of the key differences you found in terms of like saving pension saving rates and stuff like let's say for example between men and women and between people on low income and high income like stuff like that what differences have you seen sure so okay like if we're talking about men and women so on more generally men are more likely to um meet the benchmarks than women but it's only by a very different amount like very small 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 amount i mean um and when we switch it to low paid workers we find that women are more likely to um meet the benchmarks than men oh wow which is interesting i think it's like when i was digging deeper i think it's pers like i think it's because part-time men like men who are like yeah temporary contracts and part-time are less likely to even be saving at all than women mm. so part-time um, workers who are women actually are really good with their pension savings <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> compared to part-time men. So that could um, be doing that. Um, and also like when we look across um, different occupations, we look across um, like different sectors, we find that higher paying sectors and higher paying occupations, um, they're more likely to meet the benchmarks than those who are low. So the consistent theme, and even if we see across age, so like the consistent theme here is that the more you earn, the more likely you are to be saving towards a living pension or a pension that will provide you some comfortable um, standard of living in retirement. And that's across all sectors. For example, like, so when I said age, you've got people who are in their 40s who are more likely to meet the benchmarks. And that's because, you know, at that time, you're probably earning more, whatever, mm. compared to those in their 20s. People who are on full-time permanent contracts are more likely to meet it. Um, yeah, so it's that's a consistent trend. So as much as there is the drive for people to save more, there also needs to be that important core part that you actually need to pay people more. Yeah, well. I have to say, uh, naturally, um, the more money you have, the more disposable income you have. So if somebody's earning just enough after deductions um, before, let's, let's say they haven't even enrolled into a pension and they don't even have enough to get by, they're less likely to go and put money 
away because they don't have the money to put away anyway. Right. Exactly. In the first place. And if they have just a little bit, why would they put money away for something that's going to happen in 40, 40, 30, 20 years when they've got stuff that's happening right today and then, there and then. Right. And also another thing is also with the nature of, and I've been talking about tax quite a lot of my friends and now I definitely want to get you one on a tax pod. I want to speak to loads of people on tax. <laughs> because, yeah, because, um, yeah, that 40% tax thing is a mad thing. <laughs> I can't lie, yeah? Because of like the way our tax system works and we've got progressive tax, which means the more you earn, the more you get tax, right? Some people are starting to salary sacrifice into things like pensions because like it's more tax efficient for them. So instead of me just not getting this money in tax, I'd rather just put a bit more money into my pension anyway. And that's why mm-hmm. we're probably, that's probably a significant, one of the key factors and why we see people in the more higher paid jobs um, have a significant higher contribution into their pensions than they're not. And as you said uh, eloquently, the reality is like people to get paid better if people get paid better they'll save better yeah. they'll be in better and it's just also it's also um, I think it's also a living conditions thing as well oh yeah because I saw something on TikTok here yeah, which was very interesting I said one in third of Americans that earn over a quarter million dollars annually live paycheck to paycheck and naturally you'll think wait what? Do you have much pee? Quarter million. Yeah. But um, from when, uh, what the TikTok was describing was that uh, those were more looking at younger people who, who are doing like really, really well for themselves and uh, maybe in like in tech or something. And those people mm-hmm. tend to live in areas like San Francisco, New York, those areas where right. their cost of living is so high. So even their, yeah. their rental accommodation or whatever is super duper high. And because their costs are high, they naturally they have a, little, a bit less left over. So yeah. it just shows that it's not even just just how much we earn. It's just also, yeah, we could be earning, we could all get a 10% pay rise, but like the Bank of England said this week, inflation might touch a young 30%. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't even get yeah. me started. That is just so depressing. Yeah. Bro, 2023 is going to be hell. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be very, very rough. So yeah, man, that, that's interesting. So, okay. Another question I'd like to ask you is that, from your own personal experience, um, like obviously you have, you're a different, like, let's say you're in different circles. When I say different, like you meet lots of different people, like you're a sociable person, but also, you know, people who work in public sector, you know, people who work in private sector, you know, people who are very uh, economic savvy, people who are completely, who are who don't really know much about economics. How, how much do you hear people talk about pensions? Oh, not at all. You know what? It was actually, it was a thing in the public sector. Like when I started, people would always say, oh, the pensions are good. The pensions are great. The Mm. pensions are good. Mm. And that's when I started being a bit more alert to the fact that, okay, pensions are an important thing. Um, You know, I clocked on my paycheck. Oh, so there's money going there. Okay. (laughs) But because, you know, I had a group of people around me, which was my colleagues in the public sector at the time telling me this is good this is good I was like cool but that was the only time I had a very in-depth conversation with like my 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 people mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah other than that outside of that oh, I ain't nobody talking about pensions or not no I ain't <laughs> nobody talking about that everyone's trying to get on a housing ladder that's what people are talking about um but pensions is important and I can understand why because it because in people's mind, it's like, okay, you you do the whole uni, get married, get a house, or whichever order you want to do that in. And then after you've done all of those things, then you start thinking about pension because you're aging. It's, it's a tricky one. 
is actually insane. What about you? Uh, pension. No, a couple of my boys have spoke about it in terms of um, patting up tax. Um, I've done a couple pods on it, but really and truly, nobody I speak to I speaks about pension. Nobody speaks about pensions at all. And I think that's something that I'm going to try to drive myself because mm. it's actually it's actually peak <laughs> it's actually peak even like um even in terms of stuff like uh wills and stuff like that because like <laughs> do we know if our parents have wills or our loved yeah. ones stuff like that even i saw one of my friends was talking about um uh inheritance tax that they're, he's due to get like uh, property from like grandparents and stuff um and i was like bro and he was, he was saying oh inheritance tax is this much this much i said bro you better tell him to slap that ish in a trust like <laughs> we just gotta be we just gotta be work so yeah maybe mm. this might be a campaign i'm after go on like just make, <laughs> honestly honestly because this pension stuff is so important so important i even need to yeah, go check in some of wealth at the end of the day yeah 100 is a form of wealth a massive form of wealth like because yeah. just seeing some like seeing some old um, elderly generation still having to work in their deep sixties, it's not stop the lick at all. I would have loved to have seen this for like um, different ethnicities, but the data set we was using didn't go that like granular, unfortunately. But it would be mm. interesting to see like which communities are saving more, um, saving less, and how people may circumvent that or how they yeah. Because at the end of the day, people are going to get old. Yeah, we're actually, unfortunately, we're all going to get old one day. In fact, being old actually scares me, you know. I'm like, imagine I'm not able to move around like that. That's just so dead. But I know. <laughs> this is why I'm like, shit, I need to start slowing down the aging process now. <laughs> I need to get on these retinols, whatever the babes are talking about. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, right. like a eat good get in the gym stay healthy only to move around but yeah it's true we've got to get old one day we don't want to get caught lacking when we're old man i i, I hate seeing uh, elderly people struggle so yeah maybe we have to go on this crusade of <laughs> making sure we're ready for that but yeah this has been an amazing pod so much information where can people find your reports and where can people find out more about the work at resolution foundation as well as tbn yes yeah, sure. TBN, so- sorry yeah, I just call it T-Ben for short. Oh, T-Ben, yeah, sick. Yeah, two syllables. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so T-Ben, you can find out more about us on like Twitter, on our website is the best place. So that's tben.co.uk mm. um, where you get access to like what we're doing, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. Um, in terms of Resolution Foundation, you can just, I guess you can just see on Google, we have a website, it's got everything there, beyond your wildest dreams. Um, and then me personally, you can find me um, at Felicia Ayenswa on all platforms. So that's F-E-L-I-C-I-A. And then Ayenswa is A-Y-E-N-S-U-A. But I think it'll be in the description of the pod. So. Yeah, yeah. I was to say, send me all the links, please. Um, another question I have for you. When are you going to start going on YouTube again? Oh, Wow. <laughs> The only reason I said that no, to it's you is it's coming no, it's coming it's coming back. It's coming back. I just need to reorganize my life, you know, because I'm not gonna lie, since I started working at the think tank, I've the amount of work I do has ramped up considerably <laughs> compared to the government economic service. <laughs> They're making me work for this money, you know. <laughs> so like when I get home, I'm so tired. Of course, of course. But it's it's 
it's on the radar. Like, I definitely have, I even have footage there that I need to, like, edit and post. Next one's probably going to be on, like, whether I think a master's was worth it or not. Mm. So stay tuned. You can subscribe to my YouTube. I'm still active. Like, I answer, respond to comments and stuff. So, okay, cool. Me and me, I don't get on YouTube. I've done anything for months. But yeah, I think we should do a YouTube video together once a month. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, that's what, let's, let's take this offline. Yeah, yeah. Now I've said it on pods. That means I have to do it now. <laughs> yeah, ain't it? Okay, cool. Well, you've been a great guest. Well, I hope to have you on soon. We'll talk about tax, but we're just offline. And we might have something for you lot later in the year, but we'll speak on that another time. But yeah, yes, sir. Th- thank you very much. All right, bye. Podcast Network.